Welcome to MAP, the bi-weekly market access podcast provided by Mars Market Access and Pricing Strategy, which is your healthcare consultancy in the German-speaking markets. Mars makes it as easy as possible for you to get your pharmaceutical, medtech or digital health product to the market and of course get the price it deserves. My name is Stefan Walzer, I'm the founder of Mars and a health economist by training and working in the fields of market access, reimbursement, pricing and health economics already since 2004. Additionally, I founded the consultancy P&N Pricing and Negotiations in Healthcare based in Toronto, Canada, which supports companies and individuals globally by coaching, simulations and training, especially on negotiations. This service is including our innovative virtual reality simulation program and is part of the Negotiation Lab. And now let's learn about the market access and reimbursement systems around the globe. Market access across Europe sounds easy maybe, but it is obviously not that easy. We have various processes even within a country and obviously within Europe, even within the European Union, we have at least as many processes as countries. However, soon, in the next two years, it will start, there will be at least on a European level, a joint benefit assessment. How would that look like and what are the basis for that? Ultimately, the so-called UNETA has already been established quite a long time. It was already in 2006 when that joint efforts have been started with various stakeholders from the different countries. Anyhow, it just took until uh, roughly two years ago until it was basically announced and then recommended and finally decided by the European Commission that such a European joint assessment will be put into place. When will it start? So ultimately, there's time until 2025, until the different procedural rules will be adopted, need to be adopted. Then in Q1 2025, there will be the first EU joint HGAs for oncology drugs and ATMPs. In 2028, it will be the first extension where also orphan drugs will need to go through the EU joint HDA. And finally, in 2030, there will be all centrally authorized drugs, which then finally need to go through the EU joint HDA. Anyhow, currently, there are still a lot of questions up there. And not only the methodological guidelines and implementation question, but also around the processes. How would that be implemented? in larger countries like Germany, France, Italy, Spain, maybe where the processes have already been implemented since many, many years, but also in smaller countries, such as some of the Eastern Europeans, but also the Nordics, for example, where in some maybe the processes are a bit more, I would call it pragmatic, instead of so rigor as in some of the larger countries. And I'm happy to discuss this today in that episode with Dr. Elvira Müller. She's vice president at Cetara. And actually, she was one of my first bosses when I started in that industry many years ago. So, welcome, Elvira, to another good podcast discussion. We, I think the topic um, has been quite hot at ISPOR in 2022. And you also had a poster presentation on EU joint HDA. So maybe just generally, I'm not sure if there is really any, but are there any kind of hot 
latest news on EU joint HCA? Uh, hi, Stefan. Yeah, and thank you for the invite uh, to, to discuss uh, this uh, very exciting topic, uh, EU joint HCA podcast. I mean, hot topic uh, right now um, that sticks out um, is uh, not on my view, but, uh, you know, all the activities are focusing on the last two years prior to the implementation. And it's a very, very busy period. So, you know, last year, a lot of effort went into the development of a lot of guidance documents, methodology, publication, finalization, and that is continuing. I've heard that there's progress on the development on the HJIT uh, platform, because you need the logistics for the submissions. And uh, most recently, there was a call for uh, stakeholders. So they're building up uh, the stakeholder network, and it's open for uh, applications right now. Interesting, absolutely. Um, I mean, as as you and I know, <laughs> we, we currently have um, individual country submissions in every, let's say, uh, country, obviously. Maybe mm -hmm. even not only on the national, but sometimes even on a regional, local level, right? So yeah. what is your thinking? How could, let's say, an EU joint assessment be potentially implemented in those countries? Yeah, uh, that's a good question. And um, as it has been stated, and, and that's the overall purpose of the EU joint assessment, it should, to some respect, uh, replace uh, the uh, what is being uh, submitted in countries or for those countries who don't have uh, that at all, of course, will be a valuable Uh, information tool and um, I think in many countries it still has to be figured out how the national process uh, will be adapted because it's been stated that the national or regional uh, submissions as you say should only be uh, of complementary uh, uh, information Meaning, for example, uh, it's needed any clinical additional uh, analysis or a specific epidemiologic data uh, referring to the countries, but um, they must not resubmit um, the same information that was also uh, part of the submission for the JCA. And so it should not be a doubling of the effort. And um, so the HDA bodies are required to consider the uh, outcome of the uh, joint assessment in their evaluation. And um, yeah, together with the clinical and non-clinical uh, information, of course, economic data, et cetera, would be separately be submitted, um, then be part of the Uh, conclusions, uh, the the appraisal on the national level. So it's yeah. it's very exciting to see yes. how that will be. Then uh, that's a statement, but how will it come into practice? Um, I think for many countries that is not yet uh, properly defined, and uh, so that will also be part of the two years ahead. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean. 
I'm I'm still a bit skeptical. Let's say about generally the process. I think the the idea is logic from a European perspective. I think no doubt, um, but I think um, I still do not yet see at least how this could be really implemented. I think you you raised already the point like epidemiology and cost, etc. Let's say if we transfer that maybe into a German context, this is probably um, the kind of module three, right? Where you have the very German specific stuff in there. Um, and then the kind of key question is basically what else would you need to, let's say, submit in the clinical chapter, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, what if you suddenly have, let's say, another subpopulation? Think about diabetes, right? Where we had yeah. have had so many different... Uh, let's say, let's call it maybe niche in in Germany to be submitted, right? Or um, maybe a very tricky one where I don't know whether we can maybe come up with a solution here, but if I would think of, for example, not not submitting one of the statistical measures like a relative risk for an endpoint, is that already something where the GPA would say it it is not completely submitted to the European or at the European level. Hence, you need to still, again, resubmit everything to us. I mean, you see, I, I still see a, a couple of, let's say, issues. I don't know what your thoughts about that are. My, my personal thinking about that is that you would submit these analyses, but refer to the data. I mean, you have the CSR and all the data uh, already submitted to the JCA. So I would think you have to do these analyses and submit them, but not again the all the workup uh, around it. Yeah, describe the method. You should describe the methodology for that specific uh, item, and then of course the results. The difficulty I see is also for the manufacturer. Mm. You know, when you submit a dossier for reimbursement, you have have your storyline, you have uh, what you bring forward as a value and how the evidence falls into it. And now you need to refer on one side to the JCA or the uh, previously um, the... um, uh, your dossier previously submitted and, and uh, the JCA, but also then the additional data and out of that make, uh, let's say, again, a joint uh, submission. And I think that might take more time and more effort than is currently on the radar for for many, so that maybe some national submissions may be delayed because mm. they have to wait for the outcome of the JCA. They need to then amend it and then find their, let's say, uh, way of presenting the data uh, nationally. Yeah, I, I think you're bringing up a, an interesting point as well. I mean, I had a, a discussion some months ago with a Canadian expert and I mean, as you might know, I mean, they have as well, I think they just moved there, let's call it a national, more from, from regional perspective, um, yeah. into a, a Canadian kind of system a couple of years ago, right? So I, I thought, you know, a very much similar kind of role model, maybe for Europe in a way, right? Yeah. And then what they also have is basically an opt-out opportunity for manufacturers, 
but I think okay. that's not foreseen in Europe, right? Because you no. just mentioned you need to wait. And I mean, to as well add again, my skeptical point of view, if we see how fast, uh, let's say, processes work on a European level, mm-hmm. and just maybe compare that to, I think, still the quite efficient AMNOC process, I'm quite skeptical. Well, concerning the timelines, I wouldn't be that skeptical because, you know, there was this 15 years of pilot period. <laughs> <laughs> All the UNETA activities, the pilot projects, etc., cetera, and um, where they uh, had enough time to get familiar what is possible, what is not possible, and uh, can be... Um, publish uh, the report on due time as planned. Currently, there are again a few pilot ongoing, and um, I think uh, the timing of the uh, JCA will um, um, will be as as planned. Currently, I, I think the main um, the main critical point are the the resources and the expertise that they need um, on a on a greater scale but um, they are aligned about how it should be done and and uh, what are the um, the legal uh, prerequisites etc so they're used to this collaboration and um, and the timing what could <laughs> happen, and, and I hope it will not happen too often, if the regulatory uh, label is not as anticipated, but uh, mm-hmm. in, in includes a change, and then it might infect the PICO or uh, anything else, then it will be a delay. But yeah. from the process as thought, I think uh, they had enough time to... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm not a positive, uh, optimistic person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you know, I mean, as as said, I think the general idea makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I think we just need to see how it might be implemented. And I think to be also fair, I mean, besides my skeptical point of view, which is probably more driven by the German perspective, I think it might probably help uh, for a good number of countries where maybe process uh, processes are not maybe not yet that well-established like in Germany, like yeah. in France, like in Italy, or yeah. which just do not have the resources in general, right? Definitely, I fully agree. And, and I even had um, heard most recently a uh, representative of an uh, Eastern European uh, HTA body that they are very much um, looking forward to it because um, knowing that uh, many smaller countries do not have the capacities, they do not have a system in place. And um, the, 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 uh, what they are hoping for is that it will really help to bring forward an uh, early access or more earlier access to the patients and mm. to help a reasonable uh, decision making, what will be reimbursed and what not. And thus, um, uh, also in other countries, a much faster access to uh, new treatments than it's currently 
um, than it's currently um, uh, the case. And um, yeah, so I think many countries will benefit uh, from it. And in the long run, I think it will be like many things, like even the Amnok, it will be evolving um, with some adaptation changes, and uh, uh, but uh, will lead to, uh, let's say, I think more uniform assessment and then hopefully more uniform appraisal because that is some of my concerns that you have a uniform assessment, but then the appraisal and the added value will still be done on the country level. And although you have the same data, you come to different conclusions. Mm-hmm. So that's uh, where I see some, yeah, some drawbacks. So um, I, I'm not sure how you see it, but it's where I'm uh, still thinking, how will that then be justifiable? Yeah, I, I I agree, and I think um, I think the most prominent example is probably again diabetes, right? I mean, w- without knowing all of the details, right? But yeah, just comparing, yeah. let's say, which products are available, especially the last uh, or let's say the latest, newest um, anti-diabetes um, type two drugs. Yeah, I think yeah. there are many more available in France, for example, in comparison to Germany, where it was a big, big fight even to get at least one or the other for a small subgroup for still, I would say, a challenging price um, uh, in Germany. And I think the, the question is probably rather, um, currently it's maybe not that visible to everybody, right? Because it just might take time, then you have it very national here and very national there. But mm-hmm. now you might have a at least the assessment on a European level. But yeah. still, I, th- I think if, if I could just maybe take that a bit further the assessment generally is being done on a European level, right? Yeah. But a decision, and finally, if we turn that into a benefit or added benefit level, mm-hmm. this is also done nationally, right? So it's just being said, this, these are the data, these are the results, and then it's a full stop, right? And then you turn it basically into the national systems, and they then just say thumbs up or down or whatever, exactly. right? Exactly, yeah, yeah. And uh, it's not like the regulatory <laughs> uh, decision on the European level. It's uh, it's different, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, the, the budget is the responsibility of the individual countries, at least still in healthcare, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I think that was a prerequisite of the member states uh, to... Yeah. To buy in into the whole um, to the whole process. Yeah. Yeah. No. 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 Fully agree. Fully agree. I mean, if 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 I you know if I maybe turn my skeptical point of view maybe into more positive, would you think that the GBA would suddenly accept also other evidences like suddenly indirect treatment comparisons or other evidence levels in from clinical trials, knowing that indirect treatment comparisons are theoretically be accepted? But we all know that it's just rarely really been accepted by the GBA slash ICWIC so far, right? Yeah, that's uh, that's why I wouldn't call it suddenly. <laughs> <laughs> okay, take that word out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but um, the issue is, and, and, and uh, will be the same, I assume, um, with the uh, GBA ICWIC accepting uh, ITC. Um, 
they very, very uh, strongly look at the, uh, the methodology and the data. And if there's a little bit of non, uh, non-fulfillment of statistical requirements, then it's not accepted. Mm-hmm. And um, if you look at the, uh, the, the, the documents and the direct comparison and the which came out in December, and then the methodology guideline is very, very similar, I would say. So concerning uh, using fixed or random effects approach, Bucher methodology, and under which circumstances NMA would be accepted or which NMA methodology would not be accepted, and the, of course the underlying assumptions, homogeneity, etc. And um, I think it will strongly depend on the data available, which which has been and will be a problem uh, as before. I mean, that mm-hmm. you do an indirect comparison because you don't have head to head, and then you are forced uh, to use what's what's published, and then try to find um, as best as possible uh, matching populations. And there are some. Uh, drawbacks to that, uh, of course, and that's why all these methodologies have been developed. And yeah, it's it's really I'm, that's where I'm <laughs> skeptical uh, as well uh, whether all the efforts will be in the end then uh, be accepted. Although you know there were many uh, countries involved in the development, and uh, I think one of the lead countries was Ireland and in France and in Germany was involved. So um, uh, hopefully it it will lead to a fair uh, evaluation of these uh, other evidence and. Um, yeah, there's also mentioning of global evidence when and in what circumstance it can be um, used. So perhaps we should be hoping that they will bring forward <laughs> uh, the use of other data, as you say, also in Germany. Yes, perfect. Yeah, I, I think at a lot of different, let's say, opportunities, I would still say, but also still some, let's say, issues to be solved. I think another point I would maybe quickly discuss with you is um, consultations. I mean, in Germany, I think we all know that we can consult the GBA basically whenever you want, given the time slots available, for sure. Very similar to the UK NICE, right? Um, Even though that they are no more part of the EU. Um, But also in some other countries, there's the opportunity. if we would take the chance and say you join HTA will more or less rule at least the first part, or maybe in some countries, the whole kind of benefit process, I would rather want, if I would be a manufacturer, I would rather want to discuss with somebody on EU join HTA level, the submission requirements. Is there anything available or is it rather still go to Germany, go to Italy, go to France and think and try to think and anticipate what might be needed on a European level. I think that is kind of a 
really a drawback and, and missing item in the whole process. And it has been also uh, communicated, especially by the um, manufacturers uh, several times. And even if you compare um, uh, the procedure uh, versus the um, UNETA uh, trial uh, projects, there is not even um, the opportunity to discuss uh, the evidence and everything at a scoping meeting like it was then. The, the manufacturer is when uh, the PICO is developed, when all the scope is uh, um, set, um, he has no exchange with the authorities. And that, I think, and first of all, I'm, 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 I'm surprised that it is not the case. And um, secondly, I think um, that is a drawback because it's any any of these uh, submissions and assessments, it should be uh, really collaboration between um, the authorities and the manufacturers. And um, to my knowledge, there is no consultation in any way planned for now. A part of, of course, which is a different topic, the joint scientific consultation for, for trial planning, but this is something different. But um, as you uh, as you say, in, in many countries, you can reach out and the authorities even uh, um, uh, like that or uh, uh, the Germany says, yes, please come come even earlier for discussion so we know what's coming up and then you see our point, etc. And um, at the moment, I don't see that this is, is the case and that is kind of a the the requirements are kind of a black box for the manufacturer until uh, you you are communicated. Of course, you can think ahead yourself, and but this is really, I think, um, an item that is missing in the whole process. Yeah, yeah, interesting. So another potential <laughs> issue <laughs> which we might uh, have brought up. Um, to conclude a bit. Um, I'm pretty much sure, and I think uh, both of us have just as well discussed that in the last couple of minutes before we have uh, uh, gone into the um, recording, is that the, the big companies, they're basically quite well prepared. Some have even, let's say, directly um, in, implemented, let's say, um, departments or at least responsible persons. But if I would think about the smaller or the mid-sized companies, maybe, and especially not located in Europe, yeah. what would be your kind of recommendation if you would say you would join HCA will be reality anyway, so it will come. So what would be your recommendation that they would still be, let's say, well-prepared whenever they would enter Europe? Yeah, first of all, if they have not started yet, start now. Um, it sounds, two years sounds long, but it's not. They should get prepared in different ways. First of all, uh, from uh, their, their company set up, they need someone being responsible for it. They need to consider how practically um, do this, who, who has a lead, who has a responsibility, how do they work together with affiliates, 
how uh, do they have the knowledge uh, to prepare these dossiers? Do they need to outsource? And uh, what is their pipeline? What will be first, etc.? And then also have, uh, especially if they are not uh, um, not in, represented in the EU, have a reliable partner. They can work on that, and uh, so that they are not out of a sudden need to submit a dossier. And they should not underestimate what it entails. So it's not a value dossier. It's uh, it's very comprehensive. It's very science-driven. We discussed methodology, and it needs really expertise to compile this in a in a um, complete and in a very um, um, uh, concise and and um, appropriate manner. Yes, I think that there was a good conclusion. So. Uh-huh. Start now. If you have a if you have a launch planned, at, at least in the next two to three years, because yeah. as you said, it it is complex. It's not getting easier, and we still have some issues which have not yet been solved, at least on European level. Thank you, Elvira. Yeah, thank you, Stefan. So, still a, a couple of question marks, I would say, also after the very nice and lively discussion with. Elvira from Zatara, where I think we try to find the pathways how to, let's say, or how could we potentially then see the implementation of EU joint HDA in the next couple of years. I think there are still a lot of question marks, for example, on the consultation side. How could companies prepare themselves optimally um, before they would even submit? Currently, there are no such kind of consultations available on that level. So currently, it would mean that companies would need to still go into the um, detailed country-specific consultations and then try to, I would say, make up their mind um, how the EU joint HTA would look like. If that would potentially change in the future as well, needs to be seen. The other point is obviously where I think we have had different perspectives from a timing side. What if a company has maybe provided too late the information to the um, centralized body running the assessment on a European level? Um, how would that look like? Could the EU joint HGA then still be done in the given time? What if suddenly another comparator would come to the game um, and so on. I think ultimately it's still also then the question how detailed also from a legal perspective would a completeness on European level be seen from a national perspective, meaning especially when thinking about maybe some very specific things like um, given statistical measures such as risk, um, um, relative risk uh, or odds ratios, for example, which need to be provided in the German context, which might maybe not being provided on a European level perspective. The other question is still, I mean, as some HA authorities, for example, also um, foresee a maximum time and, uh, since the systematic literature search has been performed in Germany, three months, I think in a couple of other countries, it's six months. What if the EU joint HA was submitted and then the assessment on a national uh, side would just start then for example seven months later hence the systematic literature search would also then no more apply and hence that would potentially also mean to run again the not only the literature search but for example also a network meta-analysis or an indirect treatment comparison a lot of questions still ongoing 
Anyway, we're now in 2023. We should expect to have some more details from a methodological perspective. But I think even more important from a procedural perspective, I would say this year, latest next year, because obviously in 2025, the EU joint HGA will be implemented at least for some parts of the industry. And I think very important what also we are concluded, and I can only agree, whoever would be affected by the EU joint HDA in 2025, so oncology and ATMP products, should already start thinking about that first step before we would go into national submission. That was an episode of MAP, the market access podcast provided by Mars Market Access and Pricing Strategy, which is your healthcare consultancy in the German-speaking markets. MAP is available every second week with a new episode, so watch out. And in case you might have questions, contact me directly and or visit our website on www.marketaccess-pricingstrategy.de.